0: Thank you, Praise Team. Parents, it's a great reminder for us uh, to be committed to helping our lead our families. And um, what a great privilege it is, really, for us to be able to serve the Lord together. Satan loves to work against families, doesn't he? And I think that's because the families are this, supposed to be this great picture of the love of Christ and but he just attacks them. And so let's pray together and stay together and remember that he's trying to do that. And let's, you know, make sure that we don't let him get a foothold in those areas. Um, the last time I had the opportunity to preach, it was to an empty room. And that was, that was really hard. And, uh, Bill kept having to stand over under the camera, because I was just, there were like three people in the room, one here, one here, one here, and I'm just like looking at these three people the whole time. So you guys have encouraged me already. Thank you for being here. Uh, it's, it's really great for us to be able to be together, um, worshiping the Lord together, sitting under his word together. Um, we're going to be in Colossians 3 today. Chris read from Colossians 2 during the scripture reading, and you can see that um, thankfulness is, isn't something kind of um, that happens rarely in Colossians. Paul referenced it a lot in Colossians. That's why we read that passage of scripture, just to kind of start thinking about what's supposed to happen in our lives as we're growing in Christ is that as Christ is filling us, there's an overflow, and that overflow is thanksgiving, gratitude. And now, Colossians 3. 15 and 16. Colossians three, fifteen and 16 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to, indeed, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word, which helps us know you and helps us understand our purpose and place in this world. We pray that your Holy Spirit, would be our teacher this morning and that um, we would be able to focus on you. We pray that your word would fill our hearts and that we would be changed. We do lift up Pastor Dean and pray that you would continue to give him healing and strength, um, that he would be able to recover and pray for his family as they care for him. Will you be with them also? We thank you for your love for us, Lord, and the fact that we can come to you in prayer and bring the things that are on our hearts and minds to you. We thank you for the great gift that we have relationship with you through Jesus. It's in, his, it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I was able to be at West Forsyth High School in Alliance uh, the past couple of weeks, speaking in some of their Christian clubs, and I was um, at those times talking out of Colossians 3, but not with a focus of um, thankfulness necessarily, but I, I kind of saw that Paul has an emphasis about thankfulness, and, and, and I, I noticed that and then when Dean asked me to preach it just seemed like kind of the 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 obvious place to go that the Lord had been preparing that in my heart. And I don't, I don't take that for granted. I think that's exactly how the Lord works, that he had me here in a place and was already starting to you know, get me ready for um, sharing this message with you about thankfulness, because we're about to celebrate Thanksgiving together. And thankfulness is so important. We can see from Paul that Paul also thinks that thankfulness is so important. And he is giving some instruction here in the third chapter of Colossians um, about some, some practical ways that Christ is supposed to to show himself in our lives. What's supposed to happen as we follow Christ? What are people supposed to see in us? What are some marks of a person who is really following Jesus? And these things that he's encouraging the church to do in verses 15 through 17, they don't just happen on their own. They have their foundation in the rest of what Paul has been saying. And I want to highlight that a little bit by reading verses 1 and 2. And so in order to understand verses 15 through 17, I want us to think briefly about verses 1 and 2 and say, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. So Paul is encouraging this church. He's, he's calling them resurrected. He's saying, if you've been raised with Christ, Christ has been raised. For Paul, that wasn't in doubt. And he's saying that this church has also been raised. He sees this completed work of Christ and giving us the new life that was promised by faith. This is what we see in the, the picture of baptism that we love to, to celebrate, is that there's a, a, an, an identification with the, the old life being dead, and we're raised to walk in new life. And Paul is saying, if you've been raised with Christ since you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above. See, the resurrection was the, such an important part of God's plan because it proves so much about who he is. It shows that Jesus is God because he died and he came back from the dead. That doesn't just happen. The resurrection proves that Jesus is God. The resurrection proves that God has the power over death to be able to bring change to our lives. And so when he tells us to keep seeking the things above... He knows that he's the one who's going to be empowering us to do that. He's proved that he has the power to raise Jesus from the dead. He has the power to change us and to change our hearts and to help us have our focus in the right place. As somebody who has been born again, as somebody who's been born of the Spirit, as somebody who's been raised to life with Christ, there are some things that we're supposed to pursue differently, some things that we're supposed to seek, now that maybe we were not seeking before? What if we were to pursue spiritual things with the same kind of energy and desire for excellence that we pursue a lot of recreation and vocation? What we're going to find out is if we pursue Christ, he's going to be found by us and and we're going to be able to know him better and he's going to help our lives honor him and our joy is going to be full in that because we're not of this world this is something that peter talked about a lot the fact that we are just pilgrims sojourners travelers through this world that we're not world that we're not supposed to be here focused on the temporary things but that we're supposed to live our lives for god's glory now as we keep our eyes on eternal things and so we're As those who have been raised with Christ, we're setting our minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. And so now these things become a priority for us. We fill our hearts with the word of God and we start to see how that affects the rest of our pursuits, the rest of the things that we're focused on. And so with this foundation of are we those who have been raised with Christ? And if we are, what does it mean to seek the things that are above? Now we read verses 15 through 17. Not that the other verses in between there aren't good, but Dean already did like a whole like three years on Colossians, and it was really good. But we're not, that's not going to be all of our focus right now. We're just going to look at 15 through 17 together as one of the additional ways, in addition to all the other things that he said in this chapter. This is one of the ways that we keep our minds on things above. And I hope that this encourages us in this season. He says, let the peace, this is just verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. seems like this is the time of year. It's already been alluded to much. We know it. It's a time where we need peace. There's a lot of crazy. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of unknown. And the great promise of God is that We can have peace. We have the promise of God that there is peace. And it's not the kind of peace that's just, you know, peace on, fabricated peace, where we get all of our ducks in a row. I have no idea where that saying came from, where we get organized and, you know, get our, you know, things taken care of in such a way that we're guaranteed to have peace. That's not how it works. A lot of us, you know, love to, to plan and stuff. And as much as we plan, we've seen there's, there's no guarantee of peace because that's not the kind of peace that we need to have ruling in our hearts. The peace that we need to have ruling in our hearts comes from the person of Jesus. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I was thinking about how Christmas is coming up, and this is one of the things that we call Jesus, right? The Prince of Peace. This is what he does. This is what he offers. This is who he is. And he extends it to us. He invites us to know his peace in the midst of a crazy world. He says that the peace of Christ, Christ's peace is supposed to rule in our hearts. What rules your hearts? This has been a really challenging time for me. I was able to share with the deacons and elders last week just as, as, that I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what's been happening in 2020. And I'm not normally a stressed person. And this has been a challenging time for me where I feel like the, 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 the move towards just worry and, and, and feeling strained. And that's not what God has for me. And, and, and I've been very thankful for this church body because this is one of the ways you are one of the ways that God has been helping me get through this to see and remember the peace of Christ is because of this great body. I'm so thankful for our youth who have, you know, powered through really challenging times, doing things online, doing things outside in the pavilion for, you know, the, these past eight months. And what an encouragement they've been to me to, to see the peace that they are experiencing. I've been encouraged by our youth team, you know, the way that they've been serving our kids so well. I've been encouraged by this body who's been committed to meeting together in spite of the difficulties and the challenges. We're having to register to come to church now. It's weird, but we're, you know, we're doing it. We're having to meet online Because these are challenging times. I'm looking at the camera right now. Hi, y'all. And uh, thank you for doing that. And it's an encouragement to us. The peace of Christ needs to rule in our hearts, not worry and fear. We need to make sure that we aren't default landing in those places. And if we are, hear the promise of God today that the peace of Christ can rule in your hearts. There's an individual call for this, that the peace of Christ has to rule in my heart and the peace of Christ has to rule in your heart. And you see what he says? He says, when the peace of Christ is ruling here and it's ruling here, it's going to rule in our church because that's the ultimate goal. The goal isn't just that there be peace, personal peace. The goal is that there be peace in the body of Christ. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And so we're, we, we see that we have an impact on the church, that when we're people of peace and full of peace and overflowing with peace, the people around us in the body of Christ who might need peace, will see that and be encouraged by it, that maybe you get to be the one who encourages somebody that day, who really needs peace. And so we, want to, we don't want fear and worry to, to rule in our lives, but we want contentment, and hope. The peace comes from Jesus. Christ's peace reminds us of God's promises and they have the power to, to quiet our fears and to remind us that he's always been trustworthy. We get to have unity in the body. When, when, we're, when we're people of peace and focused on peace and we desire to pursue peace, when this is one of the things that we're setting our minds on, it doesn't matter, you know, what our our racial differences are, our societal differences, our cultural differences, those things don't matter anymore because we're pursuing peace together. It's a great message um, for us this time. And then he says, and be thankful, at the end of verse 15, and be thankful. The opposite, I always think in terms of opposites, I'm like, okay, if Paul is encouraging the church to be thankful, what is he warning them against? And he's warning them against ungratefulness. Right? And, w- and ungratefulness comes from an unhealthy sense of entitlement. Do so you think about that word entitlement and how that works against thanksgiving? When you're entitled, you know, you think that what you have or what you get is what you deserve. It's rightfully yours. You deserve it. And so there's no need to be thankful. When you're entitled you always need more and you need something better. And what you do have isn't good enough. And so instead of thankfulness, there's a sense of discontentment and frustration. When you're entitled, you feel like you've been slighted, that somebody has forgotten about you. When you're entitled, it affects your relationships with people too, doesn't it? Because the people they people around us they can't ever meet our expectations. They're not doing enough for us. They're not doing the things right, correctly, the way that we would do them. And so, what ends up it ends up calling causing shallow and selfish relationships. And so, Paul's kind of warning here against ungratefulness and his encouragement to be thankful is because he wants you to have peace and he wants there to be peace in the church. And if we're entitled, there isn't going to be that peace. Paul says we have to battle against ungratefulness. Be thankful. Recognize that everything that we have is a gift from God and God's promises are good and God's gifts are sufficient. And when we have that thankful mentality, when we look at our lives and say, God, thank you for what you've given me. You've given me more than I deserve. That keeps us from falling into that discontentment. When we're thankful for the people around us in the body of Christ, we see the best in people. We give people a second chance. We understand that that this is a body full of people who are just trying to follow Jesus and, and they've got some sin that they're dealing with and they've got some ingrained habits that they're dealing with and I'm dealing with those things and you're dealing with those things. And so together when we're, when we're gracious and patient with one another, when we don't have crazy expectations that we're placing on other people, when we're thankful for one another, the Lord is going to bring our hearts together. And so we pursue peace. We set our minds on things above. We pursue peace. The next thing that Paul says in verse 16 is that he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. God has spoken. We believe that. We believe that he's spoken in his word and that this is a great, one of the great gifts from God. He's spoken in that here in the word, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. He says, let the word of Christ dwell, find a home, find a place. Let the word of God land in your hearts so that it can produce fruit. His word is the source of personal and corporate discipleship. You see, when the word dwells in our hearts, what do we then do? Then it becomes an overflow again that we're able to then teach with wisdom and admonish or encourage other people with the things that we've learned that we're able to encourage people with God's word because we have it hidden in our hearts let the word of christ dwell in you richly and look at the way that god is going to use that in this body this isn't you know the the job of of teaching isn't just a, a pastoral job. It's not just something that, that I do. It's something that we all have the opportunities to do. Right, we do it here, yes, from or Dean does it mostly, you know, here from the pulpit. I do it in the pavilion. You know, but we also have other opportunities for parents to teach you know their kids. What a great reminder for you parents to have the word of God Hit it in your hearts, dwelling in your hearts so that the overflow of that will help you as you disciple your children. We need it because one day us older people are going to be moving on, and the next generation, they're going to be the ones who are the teachers and the leaders and the parents, and we have to make sure that we're doing our best to help prepare them now so that one day, I love always love thinking about our youth group, and like where they're going to be in like 10 and 15 years and I, and I remind them regularly that I'm praying for them because I want them to be the great servants in their church just you know encouraged by the great servants that we have at this church finding their way finding their gifts and finding a way to honor God I'm just really looking forward to that but it starts with people who are learning God's word so that we can then share God's word uh, with others. He wants us to walk in wisdom, and he wants us to be prepared to help um, others do that along the way. And then there's this 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 sense of worship that he brings into it, that, the, that when the word of Christ dwells in our hearts, we're able to disciple others, but then we're able to worship right. We're able to worship truly, because the overflow of God's word isn't just discipled, healthy church relationships, but it's people who are worshiping God in spirit and in truth because they know the Word. There's a great ministry of people who write songs. Are right, we sang a bunch of songs this morning that were from the Scripture? Right? We saw Dan, you know, made made Amory made go back to you know Joshua 24 that we're going to serve the Lord. There's this great kind of interaction between songs that songs can lead us to Scripture. And scripture can lead us to songs. We never want to submit songs. You know, our, we never want to submit the scripture to our songs. We want to make sure that our songs come from scripture. But sometimes it'll be a song that's in our in our, in our hearts, and it reminds us of, some, of something true. And we should, when that happens, we should go to that, pick up our Bibles and see the source of that good thought that was in the song. And sometimes we'll be looking at a passage of scripture, and it reminds us, of a song, and that song just gets stuck in our heart. We're singing tonight. Rocio, you know this, right? Because you fade away. This song that has been a great encouragement to me, but the the, the words of the song, it just says, you know, at, at, the, at the very beginning, speak to me. You're the only voice I want to hear. God, if you're not in it, I don't want it. And those words were just this idea of set your mind on things above, not things that are on the earth. So the scripture reminded me of that song, and it's been in my heart. There's a great ministry of people who are writing these songs. I'm, I'm not a songwriter. You know, my, my hills aren't alive with the sound of music. I don't just break into song, you know, randomly when I, when I see things. But how great is it that there are people who are writing songs to encourage us and then encourage us um, to be thankful. Um, I have a, a, a friend of mine. He's my age, went to high school with him. Uh, he passed away yesterday. His, uh, he had like a, a kind of random, this a week ago, had a random cardiac uh, event a few days ago. And then yesterday, his wife had to decide to take him off of life support. And there was just this, my, my heart's been praying for his family, um, just that they would know God's peace. But then I was amazed as I've been looking at this Facebook page where they were giving a, um, updates about um, his condition and what was happening, and what was there to encourage people in this difficult time was the word of God and and people were posting songs to bring encouragement. Hey, listen to this song it 'll encourage you um, and so that 's part of the great ministry of songs too, or to lift people up uh, when they need some encouragement and so let 's remember to to enjoy our time together as we're singing you know, these great songs about God that, that he wants us to do that and he wants us to do it in a way that's thankful, right? Because he ta- here's th- that word again. We're sp- the word of Christ is supposed to dwell in our hearts and we're supposed to be thankful, but here he He gets a little bit more specific. Doesn't he? Do you see this? He, every step of the way in 15, 16, 17, he, he adds something else to thankful. It's be thankful the first time and then the second time it's be thankful... To God. He wants to make sure that we understand where our thankfulness is supposed to be pointed. You know, that God is the one who has provided us with these gifts. That God is the one who is blessing us. That God is the one who is in control of the good things and the hard things that happen in life. And we're supposed to, because we have the peace of Christ, even in dark circumstances, we can be thankful. And we're thankful to him. We have to stop. So often, don't we say we have to stop and give thanks because it's not something that we do automatically. Thankfulness isn't a solo activity. It requires us to turn our attention to someone else. It requires us to get our attention off of ourselves and put it on the one who has been the source of blessing. This is why we try to teach our kids to be thankful. Somebody gives them a gift Christmas gift, a birthday gift, and the first thing we say is, hey, enjoy it in a minute, but right now, stop and give thanks, right? Turn the attention back to the person who gave you the gift, and that's what Paul is encouraging us to do, because he knows that thankfulness is an act of worship, that thankfulness goes together perfectly with singing, because this is what people are supposed to do as they fill their hearts with God's word and then respond to who he is, and then respond to to what he's done, they're going to do it in song, and they're going to do it with gratitude. Paul's very clear, thank God. And then verse 17, let whatever you do in word or deed be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, and here's the addition now, through him. Now Paul's making sure that, that he brings it all back to Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of freedom here, whatever you do. Think about, think about how my whatevers are going to be completely different from your whatevers. The things that I love in life and choose to do in life are going to be different from, from those things that you're interested in. And yet, in all of that freedom, there's also some restriction, right? There's, there's some some you know, God giving us instruction to make sure that the whatevers that we do aren't for ourselves, but that they're for him. Because God has a purpose for us in this world, and he has a purpose for our whatevers, and it would be good for you to spend some time thinking about what your whatevers are. Whatever you do in word or deed, in the things you say, and the things you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Do them in the name of Jesus. Let the things that you watch, the things that you listen to, the content of your conversation, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, and all of these different whatevers, make sure that the name of Jesus is lifted up, that you're doing those things as his uh, representative. And he says, be thankful. He adds that in again. Be thankful to God the Father through Him, through Jesus, because Jesus is the one who's supposed to be at the center of all of our whatevers. Um, I don't think you can be truly thankful and reject God's greatest gift. Thankfulness doesn't happen apart from Christ. Because God has given us our whatevers in order to be able to fulfill our purpose of shining a bright light in this world, of making the message of the gospel as clear as possible. If we try to do those things, if we try to take the things that God has given us, the things that we enjoy, and we we don't use them for his purposes, then we're using them for our glory. We're using them for our fame. We're using them for our pleasure, our comfort, our convenience. And you can't really thank God for those things from that place. Hey, God, thanks for these things. I'm going to ignore the way that, you know, I'm going to ignore the reasons that you've given them to me. I'm going to use them for myself, but thanks. You know, it, it doesn't work. We don't want to be insincere in our thanks. By focusing all of our thanks as being something that has been bought for us through Christ, it helps us get the focus off of ourselves and onto him. We recognize that everything that we have, everything that we enjoy is from God. And we get to enjoy it because God has made relationship possible with him through Jesus. Jesus needs to be at the center of all of these things. All thankfulness to God comes through Jesus and the work of reconciliation that he accomplished at the cross. You know, it's there that Jesus laid his life down at the cross. Took the punishment that we deserved for our sinfulness it's there that he showed his power over death as he was raised from the dead on the third day. All right? And he offers to us the new life free from sin so that we can not have worry and fear rule in our hearts, but now we can have the peace of God rule in our hearts. We don't have to be entitled selfish anymore. Now in Christ we can really be thankful for all of the gifts that he's given us. We can take our whatevers and use them uh, for his purposes. And so i encourage you uh, today, this week, as you think about being thankful to include some of these ideas in your, in your thoughts of God, you know, to, to think about the opportunities that you have for peace in the body of Christ and maybe some, some, need that the, there might be to pursue peace with some people. Think about that uh, this week. Think about what it is that's filling your hearts. Is it the peace of Christ? And is it the word of God? Think about the, the way that you spend your time this week and, and consider, are you doing the things that you do in the name of Jesus as his representative? Um, and if we do, and if we, if, if we are living our lives in that way and thankful, God's going to be uh, glorified. Let's pray. And then uh, Bill and the praise team are going to come and lead us in One more song. Thank you so much, Lord, for, uh, again, for your word and the way that it helps us understand what it means to live the the new life, the born-again life. We pray that as those who have been raised with Christ, who are setting our minds on things above and pursuing godliness, that you would make peace rule in our lives. Pray that we would keep our focus on you, Jesus. We pray that your word would fill our hearts and that we would be able to teach others in our body, the next generation of leaders with with wisdom that comes from you. We pray that our songs would always be focused on you, that they would be worthy of who you are. God, we pray that in the, decisions that we make about what we do and how we live our lives and the things we say and do and everything that Jesus, that we would lift you up. God, we pray that we would be thankful people and that we would always stop and give thanks to God, the father through your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.